0: First Corinthians chapter 3. The church situation being what it is today, I believe in most churches, every person is aspiring to be somebody There are some things that very badly need to be said. I think there's a great misunderstanding about what a church is. I don't believe very many people know what a church is. And I get alarmed about that. I don't believe very many people understand what a preacher is. I really don't believe very many understand. And certainly not many understand what everyone else is in the church. So what I'll say this morning will be a great help to you if you're a child of God. There won't be any help if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, it may be a hindrance to your thinking. So Paul begins in verse 1 of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And he said, I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Now what Paul is doing here is rebuking the believers in Corinth. And he's accusing them of behaving like unconverted people. He said they were acting like carnal people or natural men or really as babies. They were acting like babies. And Paul begins by saying, I ought to be talking to mature people in Christ... But that's not the case. And he said in verse 2, I fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it, and neither yet now are you able. And he says there, because you're acting like natural men... I fed you with milk and not with meat. Baby can't digest meat. She has to have milk. And he said, for up to this time, you weren't able to bear the meat of the word. And he said, you're still not able because of your immaturity. You're not mature enough to digest the meat of the word. That's what he says to this church. In verse 3 he says, you're yet carnal for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions are you not carnal and aren't you walking as men? The assembly of believers ought to be characterized by love, not strife and envy and division. So these people, there were words among these people, and and evidently in the church they were forming little groups. And Paul said, that's not spiritual, that's carnal. You form these groups in a church. That's not acting like the people of God. That's the way the world does things. The world is full of hate and envy and strife. And the church ought to be full of love and mercy and forgiveness and grace. you're acting like a bunch of babies. And he's really rebuking this church, and he's dealing with this church strongly, and he's doing it for their good. He's not trying to hurt these people. But the motive that he has is to help and help them to see where they are in their thinking. Paul wouldn't mean and... and uh, overbearing with any church but when he thought he could help a church by telling the truth he just told it. And verse 4 For while one saith I am of Paul and another I am of, uh, of Apollos, are you not carnal? Well here's one of the main causes of strife and discord. Well, I, I we like the way Paul preaches, and we're going to follow Paul. Well, I know you are, but we believe Apollos is a whole lot better preacher than Paul, and we're going to follow Apollos. Is that, that's the way natural men act, isn't it? People, well, we're Republicans or we're Democrats or we're liberals or we're conservatives. We're left-wing or right-wing or we're this or that or something else. And everybody has a, a different opinion about everything. That's the way natural men act. Christians ought not be divided that way. They ought not choose one preacher over another, or one person over another person in any way. In fact, we're not even to choose ourselves over others. Philippians chapter 2 tells us that. Philippians 2, we don't choose ourselves. Philippians 2 verse 3 Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Well, now you take old brother so-and-so, he's better than I am, he knows more than I do, he acts better than I do. Oh, boy. Look not every man on his own things but every man also on the things of others. There's a lot of good in that man and that woman and this one and that one if you could just look and see the good. And don't be comparing them with yourself and figuring out how much better you are than them. So that's what Paul is saying in these first four verses. You see, he preached to these people for three years. He stayed in Corinth for three years preaching the gospel to these people. And now he's gone and he's writing back to them some helpful things. And he says, I'd like to take you into the mysteries of the word of God, into the deep things, but you can't handle it. You still got to be taught, first of all, to love one another. That's where we have to start with you, because you don't do that. You got to get rid of envy and strife and division and quit fussing over preachers. Stop that. And then he asks a question in verse 5. Who then is Paul and who is Apollos? These fellows you're arguing about, one's better than another and so forth. Who are they? They're ministers by whom you believe. We preach the gospel. Paul, I preach the gospel. Apollos preached the gospel to you. And you believed even as the Lord gave to every man. And that's all we are. Paul and Apollos were only men. That God sent to you, and when he gets through with those men, God will send somebody else. And then what are you going to do? That minister is not the end. Christ is the end. That preacher is just a vessel to be used at that time. And then God will bring someone else. The preacher is just a voice. That's what John the Baptist said. I'm a voice crying in the wilderness. We used that in Sunday school. A voice. A minister. He ministers to the needs of people. Even as the Lord gave to every man who believed, God gives a minister where his elect children are. He gives a preacher. And if the people of God are there, you can look around, there'll be a preacher there. And he'll tell the truth. How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And shall they, how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent of God? There has to be a preacher. But religious people are to be blamed In this, why? What are they doing here? They're they're looking at the means that God uses and not at the message. God uses means. The Lord purposes from all eternity in His great wisdom and counsels to accomplish His will and purpose. But in order to accomplish that purpose, the Lord uses means, men, women. Well, what do foolish men do? Instead of taking the means and using the means to bring our eyes to Christ and our hearts, we stop with the means and get the playing with the means and give our attention to who God uses instead of what they bring to us. Mary is worshipped. She was the human means to bring our Lord into this world and people worship the, the means. That's how people are. A lot of people worship this book that I'm reading out of. Not him of whom this book speaks. The Jews stopped with a feast or a Sabbath day or with Abraham or or with uh, Moses. They stopped somewhere short of Christ. And they said, we're of Abraham, we're of Moses. Moses. and they made a god out of a brazen serpent that was lifted up on a pole they began to kneel down and worship the brazen serpent which pictured Christ instead of worshiping Christ whom that pictured men worship means
1: well we say we don't not us
0: no, not us, but many people in this day have taken crosses and put a cross upon the buildings and everywhere else, everywhere you look, you can see a cross. I saw our president attend a worship service, a so-called worship service in some big goat barn somewhere, and the little boy's walking down the aisle with a 10-foot-high cross between them. And I said, what are you doing? They worship the cross instead of the one who died on the cross. And Paul said, Who is Paul and who is Apollos? Just tell me who they are. All they are ministers by whom you believe. That's there, nothing else. And yet these Corinthians fussed over the means that God gave them. And verse 6 I have planted, Apollos watered. But God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything. Neither he that watereth. But God that gave the increase. God's the only one that amounts to anything. It is God who saves men. He uses means. But the means are nothing but an instrument that God uses to save sinners. That's all the means are. Uh, he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. We must learn this. God's ministers, whether they're a pastor or a missionary, or whether they sing, or whether they play an instrument, or whether they preach, whether they teach Sunday school, whatever, God's ministers are one Voice declaring one gospel, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And all of them ought to have one cause. And that cause is the glory of the Redeemer. And when we look upon them and hear them and receive the means that God sends... We must see and hear them as one voice. One voice. Whether it's someone reading, Uh, you men read Scripture. You read Scripture back there in the men's meeting. That one who's reading is what? He's a minister. The one who reads from this pulpit. When you men come up here to read the scripture. You are a minister. And I look upon you as a minister to my soul. Because you're reading what God says. And you are God's voice. At that time. And when you pray i look upon you as God's minister. And I respect you in that. We're not reading up here just to fill up the time. You men read you are a minister of God that's ministering to the people of God. You're God's voice at that time. He that giveth, he's a minister of God. He that lendeth, whatever. Every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. That's what this says. He will be blessed of God and honored of God and upheld by God, whatever the labor is that he's doing. It's a whole lot more important to read scripture up here maybe than you think it is. That's what God says. You're speaking for God. That's the reason I highly respect you. You are God's spokesman when you read to me the word of God. You're ministering to my soul. And whether it is we have a small thing to do or it might be some great effort that God gives you to do, let's do it as unto the Lord. If God sent two angels down and one was told to rule a nation and the other to sweep the streets... When they appeared before the Lord to receive their marching orders, they wouldn't care which they did. Why? Because they had seen the glory of God. It's for the glory of God. They'd be just as happy doing either job. In God's kingdom, whatever is done for him, Is great. It's a great work. God may raise up a man to preach one message. And in God's kingdom, he that is first shall be last, and he that is greatest shall be the servant of all. Whatever a man or a woman is doing, if it's what God puts you to do and it's great, a great work. We have work day up here occasionally, you come and work, labor. That's great work. Whether you dig a ditch or mow the grass, when you clean the buildings, it's all for God's glory. And all of this is for the salvation of sinners. It's not a small thing to come up here and make everything look better, look more attractive, where maybe people will come and hear the gospel. That's a great work. And what we must do, dear friends, is quit looking on men as great men, because there are no men who are great men. Only God is great. (coughs) There are no great efforts. There are no small efforts. Anything God gives us to do is great. The Lord was sitting one day at the receipt of customs and people were putting their offering in where they gave the offering, and he saw the rich come in, and they put in much. Old Brother Moneybags, he put in $10,000. Well, he had $2 million left. And then a poor widow came in, and she got down in that little old worn-out purse and found one, two, two mites. I don't know how much a mite is, not much. She found two mites down in the bottom of that purse. She dropped those two mites in that offering. And the Lord called his disciples and he said, Come here, I want to say something to you. That little widow has given more than everybody else combined because she gave all her living. All her living. The disciples couldn't understand that. And the way we think, we don't understand it either, really. She gave from her heart, sacrificially, all that she had. All she had. I read about these... Ball players getting millions of dollars a year, that's astronomical to me, but that's nothing to God. Our God calls the stars by name. They're billions and trillions of light years out yonder, and he calls every one of those by name. And if I gave the whole U.S. Treasury, it wouldn't be anything to God. It's not what, but it's why. Why? You can't impress God. Men try to impress God. He's not impressible. It's not what you do, but why you do it. Your attitude, your motive. If I preach 15,000 sermons and a man comes along and preaches just one, and that one sermon rings the bells of heaven, that's wonderful. If a man brings glory to Christ, it's worth 10 million messages that do not give him all the glory. So let's don't start measuring things. Don't start bragging on things because we are, what are we? What are we? Verse 9, here's what we are. We are laborers together with God. You're God's husbandry. You're God's building. Husbandry, of course, is a farm. And I go out and plow and plant and water But it's not my form, it's God's form. And preachers have a habit of saying, my church does so and so. I don't have a church. Christ has a church. And people say, my, preachers say, my people wouldn't hear that. I know, but God's people will. Your people won't hear it, but God's people will. We need to quit saying mine. You're God's building. That's what you are. You're God's building. It all belongs to him. And all of us here are just servants. One servant serves in the kitchen, and another serves cuts the grass and another teaches but they're all where the master put them and they're doing what the master told them to do and we better do it with all our might as unto the lord do it right it's for the lord people say oh I can do nothing too that's right there's nothing to it if you don't think there's anything to it do it for His glory. Do it because He assigned you to do it. And verse 10 According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I've laid the foundation. Another buildeth their own, but let every man take heed how he buildeth their own. Paul said, "God gave me this particular work as a wise master builder. He calls himself that, and he's comparing himself to the false teachers. He is a wise master builder compared to them. And he said, I've laid the foundation. What is the foundation, Paul? That foundation is our Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul Paul faithfully laid this foundation. He laid for us in his preaching and in his epistles the foundation of Christ Jesus. Paul is the preacher, the master builder, God's servant who laid that foundation, but it's God's foundation. God said in Isaiah 28, we won't turn there. He said, I lay in Zion a foundation. That foundation was Christ. Why did Paul say he laid the foundation? Because he was God's human instrument. He laid the foundation in his preaching. And that's what I've attempted to do here for the last 27 years is just lay a foundation. That foundation is Christ. No one can accuse me of not preaching Christ. The precious cornerstone. Follow Christ. Don't follow men. Follow Christ. Don't divide into camps and follow some man. Follow Christ. Don't say, I like that preacher better than the other. You see, I'm not here to be likable. But I'm here to serve God where he wants me. Paul said, I've laid the foundation, Christ. And verse 10, he said, another buildeth thereon. I'm not going to be here forever in this little church. When I'm gone, another man will build on what's laid here. If anything's laid worthwhile. Paul is writing to all believers. All believers are building on the foundation, and therefore, he said, let every man take heed. Oh, if you could get in on this now. You take heed how you're building there on. You're building, all of your building, you take heed how you're doing it. This scripture in 1 Corinthians 3 is primarily directed to preachers, but it includes every believer. Every one of us have a part in God's ministry. You have a part. How do you have a part? By your presence. Hmm. By your Participation. By your prayers or your support or your gifts or just your encouragement, you have a part. You have a part. You have a very important part. What's your part? Well, let me tell you your part. Now listen. Now here's where somebody will leave me. I know that. But you just have to leave. If I have the responsibility to teach Sunday school here, then you have the responsibility to be here to hear me teach Sunday school. If I teach on Sunday evening at 6 o'clock, I have that responsibility. You have the responsibility to be here to hear God through his preacher. Because if I have to preach to just empty pews, that won't do anybody any good. See, I told you, not many people know what a church is. If I have responsibility to teach this church anything on Wednesday evening at 7 p.m., then you have the responsibility to come hear what God says through His preacher, don't you? Well, don't you? I mean, we come in here Wednesday night, like last Wednesday, maybe 10, 12 people, and that's good. I'm glad they're here. Where are you? Where are you? God is speaking through his preacher. Where are you? You mean I'm the only one that has a responsibility? I don't think so. Some of you act as if what God says is nothing. You don't know what a church is, you see. A church is you and I. We're pulling together. Last Wednesday evening, we had a lesson on Jesus Christ, our advocate, our propitiation. Oh, it was so good. It wasn't good because I brought it. It was good because it's the truth. Had a few people here to hear it. You see, I said now I'm going to lose part of you, but that's the truth. If I ever told it to you, I'm going to tell you the truth while you're here. You have responsibilities. You say, well, I have to work. Well, if you have to, that's that's another thing. But if you can make arrangements not to, and you don't, that's another thing. You see. Hmm. Let every man take heed how he buildeth their own. It's as much your responsibility as mine to examine this ministry and be sure it's the ministry of Christ. You have that responsibility. And how are you going to know that? Paul said I built a foundation and you take heed how you build thereon just take heed do we believe what our Lord said in John 14 6 I'm the way the truth and the life no man cometh unto the father but by me is that the gospel I believe that's the gospel there is no gospel except that concerning the Son of God. and He's all I preach. And there's no salvation except in Christ. There's no church except that of which he is the head. No man can call himself a Christian unless he loves and believes and receives the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that what this book says? There's one God, one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. There's only one source of information, and that's this word of God. There's no other source. He that believeth on the Son hath life, and he that believeth not Shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Is that right? Well, he's our foundation. He's what we're all about here. You know what a church is? Not just going to church. It's being a part of it. A vital part is laboring. Laboring. Other foundation can no man lay than that is laid which is Jesus Christ. We've got a good foundation. And I think I love all of you. I think I try to tell that which is the truth. If you want to encourage me, you'll be a vital part of this. encourage the preacher. Poor old preacher. (laughs) Encourage him. That poor old man, he's just on his last legs now. Well, give him a little encouragement. I thank you for all you do. You do a great deal. Maybe we can do more. Let's stand for prayer. Lord, we thank you for these words from your book. And I pray, dear Lord, you'll make this message live in my heart first. Because I'm not what I ought to be. And then you'd cause the message to live in the hearts of your people here. May we find that truly Christ is our all in all. Help me, Lord, if I say things unkindly. Help me to be kind. But, Lord, help me to always be truthful with your people. Thank you, dear Lord. Thank you. We praise your holy name for Christ's dear sake. Amen. God bless you.